before we get started, if you guys wouldn't mind bowing your heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and thank you for this opportunity of letting me be here um, to speak to my church family. I hope that they can be as touched as um, I was by your grace and by the stories that I'm going to tell them. In your name, amen. So as Pastor Gary said, this last summer I had the opportunity to go coal portering. And to um, kind of make that a little more so you guys can understand exactly what coal portering is, um, it's kind of like, like he said, literature evangelism. So from somewhere around from one to nine every day, well, five days a week, I guess, we would go door to door um, selling to, to strangers and kind of just spreading uh, God's word. We had different kinds of forms of literature. We had different cookbooks. We had children's books and um, some spirit of prophecy books as well. And when, um, if I could summarize my summer into one word, I would guess I would use uh, the word powerful. I'm not gonna lie and tell you guys that this summer was super easy and I knocked on doors and people helped me all the time and I met a ton of cool people at every single door. While I did meet some really awesome people and have great experiences, it was very, very challenging. You definitely face a lot of rejection as a, a co-porter. And sometimes on the harder days, you forget that the rejection at those doors isn't just the people rejecting the Lord. They're, it feels like they're rejecting you when you have those doors slammed in your face time and time again. It just, it can be hurtful, especially on those days that you're, you remember your family back home and you remember how much you miss them and everything like that. So I'm gonna tell you guys kind of how I got into this. My friend Angelica, she had, um, she went coal portering I believe it was the summer going into our junior year of high school. And she came back and I could definitely see a change in her. She um, had like a more positive outlook and she even rebuked me a little bit. <laughs> and um, I remember one day I saw her at, at lunch and she was reading one of these um, glow tracks. I don't know if you guys know what these are. I know for a long time I didn't even know what they are. But glow tracks, they're kind of um, like little pamphlets, and they have all kinds of different topics, like for example, um, the health ministry, help with addiction, and they just give you like all kinds of different verses and like positive things, and a lot of people hand them out. And as a cool porter, you kind of hand those out as door cards if people don't answer the door and things like that. So I saw her reading some of those, and I thought, this girl's weird. <laughs> what is she doing? I don't know if I would ever want to like just read those for fun. And um, I remember hearing some of like the changes of what she had said, and she kind of was kind of persuading me to go corporating that summer. And I told her, no way. While I saw the change in her life, I don't know if that's something that I exactly wanted for myself. And so um, uh, I wasn't really interested. And so the next year, so she went out that summer, and she came back the next year, and again, she came around that time uh, where they start signing up, and she came in kind of knocking at my door, Kylie, like, you should come. I think you would be great. I think you would love it. And I told her again, like, no, I have respect for you, and I just, I don't think I would be able to do this. This time that she asked me, I mean, I had more questions, and she told me some of um, her experiences, but I still, I just don't think that I was ready. And then I went to my first year of college. And I don't know, um, I'm sure a lot of you guys know this, but according to a study that was done at UCLA, 62% of college students that enter, um, into college with some sort of faith, they end up leaving without it. And I don't want to say that after my first year that I was leaving the faith, but I just sort of became spiritually numb. 
I have grown up in the church and I knew all the stories, you know, um, Jonah, everything, you know, you hear the stories growing up, growing up, and it just, it's not, um, sometimes, I guess maybe just for me, it's not as impactful when you hear, oh, Jonah was swallowed by a fish, like, okay, that's cool, but, um, so I just kind of became, like I said, numb. I guess you could kind of compare me to the church of Laodicea. I, um, people would tell you, you know, Jesus loves you. And I got to the point where I would say, okay, I know. Like, you don't have to remind me. I know he loves me. And it came around that time again, around winter quarter, when Angelica came knocking at my heart saying, Kylie, you should go coal portering. And this year, after she'd been for three summers, she decided that she didn't want to go again. But she still, for some reason, God kept telling her to kind of persuade me to go. And this year, I had more questions. She started telling me, like I said before, about a lot of her experiences. She told me about different things that had happened to her. And pretty much every night, at least once a week, um, she would come in and we would get distracted from our homework and talk about it for hours and hours. And I kind of decided, like, okay, I think I could do this. While I still felt, like, spiritually numb, it kind of helped that I got a scholarship for, for going for the summer as well. So I decided, okay, I'll go. And a lot of my friends were really surprised, including my family. My parents were like, are you really sure you want to do this? It doesn't sound safe. And a lot of my friends as well, they were like, okay, Kylie, stop kidding around. You're not going to do this. You're not going to go knock on people's doors. You have to ask to go to the bathroom in their house. That's not comfortable. So, but I decided I wanted to do it. And I remember signing up um, one night with Angelica in my room. And she told me, Kylie, you can't back out. Like, you really have to do this. Are you really sure you want to do this? And I decided I was going to do it. So um, we ended up, Angelica, I convinced her to come with me because she really didn't want to come. But I convinced her to go with me. And we ended up um, getting there for the first week. I was assigned, as you guys know, um, to Chula Vista in California. And we did the Chula Vista in San Diego area. And we got there a week late because the program started the week of my finals for um, college. So we ended up getting there a week late. And I remember my first night getting there, I saw these people and I thought, oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? These people are weird. They are praying all the time. I, I love prayer, and, but I just remember we got there. I got there in the morning, or I got there in the evening, and the next morning we woke up and we, got in the, we had to drive to our showers. We got in the van and drove for safety to the showers. Then on the way back, we, drove, we prayed for safety again on the, back to the, on the way back to the church. And then they gave us an hour for personal devotions. And then we went to do our chores. And we prayed before our chores. And then we had breakfast. And we prayed before breakfast. And then we had worship. And of course, you pray and worship. And then after that, there was training. And you pray before training. And then you get ready to go out on the field. And you pray before you go out on the field. <laughs> And then once you get in the car to drive to the field, you pray the whole way there with your prayer partners. And then you're expected while you're out there to pray even more every time you get dropped off and just pray throughout the day. You get picked up, you pray, 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 pray. And I was kind of feeling like, okay, a little too much prayer for me. But um, eventually I saw how powerful having prayer constantly in my life really was. The first few days that I um, went out, I was so, so, so overwhelmed and scared. 
the first door that I was dropped off with, I was dropped off with a 16-year-old. It was her, like, she'd been there for a week, and she's getting rejected, rejected, and I'm just standing there, and I feel more nervous than she is, and she's like, has this little happy smile on her face, and I'm thinking, I'm not even talking. Why am I so nervous? And as soon as we actually left that door, we got pulled over by the cops, and they told me we had to have a permit, and they kicked us out of their town, and I remember getting in the car with my, um, with my leader, and I just wanted to cry. I wanted to, I was thinking, I want to go home. I want my mom. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> and um, those first few days, especially that first week, were really hard. And the days felt so long. And we learned this whole canvas, and you have to say it, the whole thing within like a minute and 15 seconds so you know it. But so the first few days that I went out there, I kind of felt like, oh, I can do this. It's all on me. I know my canvas. I know what I'm going to say. And I didn't really think about God having any part in what I was doing. And so, like I said, those days were long, long, long days because we're pretty much by ourselves out there. And at the end of the f first week, I had been like, okay, success. So I was kind of been successful, but I, ha I hadn't enjoyed it. And I was really thinking like, God, I'm giving you until two weeks. And if this isn't working, I'm leaving. And then I thought, how embarrassing. I have all these people praying for me. But um, so I decided I was going to stay. And at the end of my first week, it was nighttime. It was probably about 8.30, and we get picked up at 9. So it was dark. And once it gets to be dark, our leaders tell us to skip dark houses. So there was the, these dark houses down this little hill where my leader had dropped me off. And I kind of radioed in, and I, was, um, I asked her, do you really want me to do these houses? And at first she said, no, no, no. And I was like, oh, praise the Lord. I really don't want to do these. And then um, she said, well, if there are some lights on, you can go to that one. And lo and behold, there was one light on in one of the houses. So I'm kind of like trudging down there. And I decided, okay, I'll do this house, despite like what I want to do. I just felt like I should. So I knocked on the door, and this um, middle woman, um, middle-aged woman answered. She's probably like in her, her early 50s. And as you guys probably know, San Diego is very, very secular in some of the areas. And we were working in this area, it's called North Park, and that's one of the most secular areas down there. And so she answered, and I saw all the art on the wall, and I was thinking, oh man, this is going to be a difficult one, I, I know, because it was kind of like new agey-ish. And so at first she, she answered her door, and I guess she had just gotten home for work, and she told me, what do you want? Like, I don't have time for this. I just got home, I have to feed my dogs, don't you see them jumping? And I told her, ma'am, I'll be really quick, I promise. And so um, I, she ended up coming out and she talked to me. And so we started discussing and I told her that I was a Christian student and we were working on these books. And so at first I kind of didn't want to tell her that I was Christian. I showed her like our cookbooks and some of those um, kind of non-controversial ones. And she saw the great controversy in my hand and she looked at it and she said, what is this one? So I showed her and I told her, our canvas for that one, um, it talks about how um, God is not a, fear of a, God, a God of fear and destruction, he's a God of love. And so I told her that, and she said to me, I, it's a very controversial topic in this church, so it kind of scared me too. She said, I am a lesbian, what do you think about that? And I remember I kind of just stopped. And I said a little prayer in my head, and I, and I said to her, I feel like what you are and whatever you decide is between you and God. And what I think is that I am not supposed to judge you and I'm supposed to love you the way that Jesus would love anyone. And she kind of, yeah, so she kind of just, um, she kind of just 
I don't want to say broke down, but you could see like the, the wall that she had in front of her just kind of um, break down. And she said, I want this book. I, I really want this book. I need this book. And that was a, the last night of our canvassing for that first week. And I decided, I am staying here. This is so cool. <laughs> yeah, and so as time went by, when I would have those hard days that felt long, I actually just started praying through them. I felt like uh, pretty much while you're out there working in between the doors, I would be praying constantly, like, thank you, God, for my family. Thank you for just being here. It's such a blessing. I am so, after seeing, especially, there's a lot of poverty that was out there, too. And I just felt so blessed to have, like, my own church family and know that I had you guys back here praying for me. And so I was just out there praying and canvassing and, um, Something that I thought was really cool was the immediate reactions to prayer that I saw. And um, for one example, when we're out there, they encourage us to run. And I like running, but I don't want to be running for eight hours. So I would run sometimes, but I more likely, I like to walk quickly. <laughs> and so one time um, I was working in this area, and my partner was across the street, and I saw her running. And it was kind of warmer that day, and I saw her, and I was thinking, oh, okay. So I prayed right before I went to the next door. I was like, oh, dear Lord, if you want me to run, have something amazing happen at this door. Just this one. And if it happens, I guess I'll run. So thinking that, I'm like, Haha, one door, nothing's going to happen. I'm not going to be running. So I knock on the door, and it was, um, I, there was a family inside, and I could see them. And I saw the mom, and I... I wanted the mom to come out because I saw a teenage boy too. And normally teenage guys, they don't really want to talk to you and they, they are not interested and they just kind of slam the door in your face. So I'm like hoping and praying like, please have the mom come out. Please, please, please have the mom come out. But the teenage guy came out and he was probably like in his late teens, like 18 or 19. And he, he came out and I was thinking, oh man, okay. So I started canvassing him and I asked him if he went to a church around the area. And he told me that he had started going to, he grew up Catholic, and he didn't really go to church, like, except for Easter and Christmas with his family. But he started going to um, church with his girlfriend, who was a Christian. And I guess recently they had gotten in a big argument about what was religious, because apparently he had called her religious, and that is not a good thing, because I guess it has a negative connotation to her, and she didn't want to be considered religious. And he told me, I love God, but I don't really know him. I want to know him. I want to have like this powerful relationship, me and him, just the two of us, without being influenced by anyone else. So I showed him um, our copy of Steps to Christ, and I started telling him how this book could really help him draw that personal relationship with him. And we, we call it peace above the storm, so it's not too um, controversial with some people who know um, about the LNG White books. They just, that way, they kind of don't assume it right away. And so he said, peace above the storm. I need this. I want this book. And so he asked me how much um, people you normally help out with that one, and I told him $10. And he told me he didn't have any money. So I told him, you can go look inside. I will wait. And he came out um, outside, and he said, this is my lunch money for the rest of the week, but I want you to have this because I want this book, and I want you to be praying for me. And I thought that was really, really powerful, and then I had to run the rest of the day. <laughs> But I kind of felt like I could relate with him. I had grown up with more of my parents' religion. I, I, had, I loved God, but I didn't really know what he was to me. And over this summer, while I had felt kind of called, 
from the beginning, I knew that I should go, and I didn't really know why. And so I went, and I kind of found my calling over the summer. Um, and that was just one of the things that kept me going. And one of the verses, my mom would text me some um, days with the verse that KSGN sends out over text messages. And she forwarded me this one. And I, like, live by this verse every day. I would, like, repeat it over and over and over again. And it comes from Galatians 6, 9. And it's, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And as a cool porter, you definitely... You, you feel like giving up a lot of the times. There are some days I probably did give up. But they tell us those rejections that come over and over and over again, they, re they take you to the person that is truly yearning for God. You eventually, like the quick rejections, the people that slam their door right in your face right away, they take you and get you closer to closer to that one person that wants to be called closer to God. And one of the days I was canvassing and I was having a hard morning. I don't think I had gotten any books out. And there wasn't a lot of people home. And nobody really wanted to talk to me if they were home. It was a lot of, like, babysitters and things like that. But eventually I knocked on the door of this girl. And she was probably in her early 20s. And she opened the door and she had looked like she had just been crying. So I kind of dropped my canvas and I asked her, are you okay? Is everything all right? And she told me, yeah, you know, just things with life. I'm so sorry that you had to catch me like this. And normally, I don't, you, you kind of don't want to tell people right away, like, oh, you're a Christian, because they might not want to talk to you, like, still. But I told her, you know, um, I'm a Christian student, and would you like it if I prayed for you? And she said, like, she would appreciate it if I prayed for her. So we prayed, and then I started talking to her about the books and, and about, like, her life and everything. And she told me she had grown up in a Christian church, and she used to be super, super active as um, a young teenager, she would go to church on Wednesdays, Friday nights, Saturday nights for activities, and then her, because she went to a Sunday church, she'd go to church on Sunday and be there all day. She was at church at least three or four days a week and super, super involved. And then, like many college students, she went off to school and she kind of got busy and she lost her faith. And she said that she hadn't been to church in two years. And she, she felt guilty now. While she wanted to go to church, she felt guilty going to church. Like she didn't deserve to be forgive, forgiven for the things that she had done while she hadn't been there. And I just started talking about um, God's grace and that he like, forgives everyone and everything like that. And um, she broke down crying again. And she just, she was telling me like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And she said, normally when the Jehovah's Witnesses come here, things like that, they're normally older. And having a girl that's um, my age that I can relate to and I see that you're going through this, uh, it, it makes it more powerful, more understandable. Because you see these people, the older people, and obviously they have more, more religion maybe for you, she said. And to see someone who also struggles going through school, uh, she thought it was really cool. And so that was really, really awesome. And throughout the summer, I just had a lot of really cool experiences like that. Just God's perfect timing while you may be out there and you think like, okay, if I like walk a little bit faster, maybe I'll get to the, the store quicker. And you get those people who, right as you're leaving, they come home after you think no one's there and you're able to talk to them. And one of those that happened for me was this lady named Viola. I knocked on the door and no one was there and I was kind of just waiting. And then she pulled up in her car as soon as I was leaving and Normally those are so awkward because you're like leaving their house and it looks kind of like uh, you're knocking on their door. It seems kind of weird. So I was kind of nervous and she was older and she was, took a while getting out of her car and she asked me, what are you doing? And I told her 
and she saw the, the piece of the storm and the steps to Christ in my hand. And she took it out of my hand and she said, what is this? And I told her that we were Christian students and just working for a scholarship to help me put through a Christian school. And she started just flipping through those pages and she's like, peace above the storm, I need this, I need this, I need this. And I asked her like, ma'am, if it's all right, what is going on? And she told me that her husband has been in heart failure for two years and he's been in the hospital and they're just slowly watching him um, wither away. And it's been really hard on her and her faith and especially seeing it affect her grandchildren. And we also do sell um, children's books, and so we have um, a book about the Old Testament, like Bible heroes, and then a book about Christ's life. And so she wanted the book about Christ's life for her, her daughter. So I asked if I could pray for her with um, all the pro problems that she's having. And she's another one that just started crying, and those are my favorite. I mean, I don't want people to cry, but <laughs> you can see God's power through them, just the, the perfect timing of me getting there as soon as she's getting home and seeing how she needed and wanted this book. And her hands were just shaking as she held mine, and we prayed for her husband and her family. And she got the books, and it was just, I've just, it kind of makes me speechless just seeing how, how awesome God's power really is. And another thing that I found to be, um, really awesome. As Pastor Gary said, I have actually been on a few of the mission trips that this church goes on, and every time you come back, you feel so, um, so blessed to be living in this country where we're free to practice our own religion, where we are privileged to have jobs and be able to have money to go to college and just have um, good careers. But I think being in America and seeing all of the poverty that I did just in San Diego around the border and just these people who we're barely scraping by. I think it hit me even more. I became even more grateful to see how blessed I truly was just to be living um, where, where my family can support me and even just living with my family. And it was funny because we went to some very, very rich areas in San Diego and some very, very poor ones. And it seemed like the people that were more poor, they were the ones who were the ones who were more willing to help, more willing to to hear about God's message. And one of um, the stories that, that really, it makes me want to cry every time. It really touched me. Um, it was an evening and I was walking around this cul-de-sac and it, it was very, very poor territory. And I saw this man and he was sitting in front of his house and he didn't have any legs. And his wife was kind of like sweeping outside and there was another man who was sitting there. And it was getting to be like dusk, so I was kind of cautious, especially being in a poor neighborhood. It makes you a little more nervous. And I went up to them and I asked them, like if they went to a church around the area and things like that. And they were really interested in all the books. They wanted to get all of them, but they had no money. And we have these little tiny Steps to Christ books that we kind of give on donation, people help with whatever they can help with. And I told them that, and they spent like a good 15 minutes excuse me, sorry, around their house, um, scraping just for any change that they could get. And while um, the wife was looking inside, the, the other man who had been sitting outside with legs, he was telling me that that was his, his brother and his sister-in-law, and his brother had lost his legs in um, an, an accident at work. And they basically, none of them um, were, had any work. They were close to losing their house and they had um, their son with them and he was probably like four or five years old and they were just going through such a hard time. And he was telling me that he needed 
peace above the storm. They needed God's grace and to feel um, blessed and to feel the love because they felt nothing. Because obviously with harder financial times comes more tension and they had been a lot of arguing and things like that. And while the wife came back out and gave me like a few dollars and change, the, the, um, the brother-in-law, he gave me a dollar and she was telling him, no, no, you don't have to give it to her. You don't, like, it's okay. You don't have any money. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And just to see how willing these people were to help me when they were so poor and just to receive, like, this, this literature and God's grace through the books, it was just so powerful to me. Um, and you kind of, some people, while they go corporate, they come, become consumed by, you hear me say, the books, the books, the books. And that's not what it's all about. What it's really about is reaching the people. And I think some of the most powerful experiences that I had were meeting the people who I wasn't able to give anything to, but they just, I was able to offer them a prayer. Um, I met this man. He had, like, none of the tips of his fingers. I didn't ask him what happened because he was kind of grumpy with me at first. He told me to get off his porch. He didn't have time. He didn't have money. He couldn't help me. And I just asked him, like, sir, before I leave, please, would you like me to pray with you? Do you have any prayer requests? And he was like, hmm, so are you a Jehovah's Witness? Are you Mormon? What, what are you trying to do here? And I just told him I was a Christian. I was just trying to spread the word of Jesus. And he, he was like, you know, this is, this is good what you're doing. This is good. He's told me I don't have any money, but I do need prayer. So I prayed for him. He was um, struggling with a lot of health issues. He said that he was having heart problems as well. And after that prayer, you can see, again, the glistening of tears in his eyes. As he, he, he told me to wait outside, he's like, wait, 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 I have something for you. I have something for you. And I was thinking, okay, what is he going to give me? He told me he didn't have any money. So I hear him, like, jiggling around for change. He checked under his couch, everything, and he gave me probably a dollar and, like, pennies and nickels and dimes. And he's like, I need you to have this. It is amazing what you as a young woman are doing out here. What you are doing is so powerful, and you are a blessing. He told me something great is going to happen later in your life. And I was, well, I was blown away, like, wow, something great is going to happen later in my life. I don't really know what he's talking about, but it's, it's just so true. And just having like these different, different experiences, I found my calling of why I had been called to go out there and to be able to share the word with God, not I mean with the people of God. And not only was I able to hopefully be a blessing in other people's lives, but it was a blessing into my spiritual life. And I grew to have my own personal relationship, not one that I would share with my parents or anything like that, but Jesus was my friend, my father, everything to me. And it was just, it was super, super um, amazing. And I started doing devotions in the morning and just rereading the stories that you learn as a child about, you know, like I said, Jonah being swallowed by a fish. And I was like, whoa, Jonah was swallowed by a fish. I can't imagine being swallowed by a fish. And just things like that, as silly as it sounds, but it just was so eye-opening to me. And even the story of Moses, like, he just walked up to the Red Sea and it parted. Can you imagine going to the beach and just seeing the water part? You hear these stories and I just was kind of like, oh, that's cool. But it was just like, I just wanted to break down and cry every time I heard these. And while I had an, a very amazing experience, I want to share some of the other ones that some of my friends had and that we heard um, from other people 
that I thought were super powerful too. So while we're out here, a lot of people, um, they pray for angel experiences because doing this work is hard and it's often that you hear about people kind of having experiences where they see their guardian angel or something like that. And one of the, this man came to visit us and he gave us um, a worship talk and he, this story gets me every time, sorry. He, um, he was telling us about, he was visiting um, a group that was canvassing up in San Francisco. And there was, I guess, a man who was there, or, or not a man, uh, a young man, like a uh, boy, he was there and he had a really amazing singing voice. And sometimes at the doors he would sing for the people. And we're not supposed to go inside the houses, but if you feel kind of like you should go inside the house, you can call your leader and they'll come with you or something like that, or they give you permission. And so at this one door, he went into this lady's house and he had permission and everything. And in the piece above the storm book, it has um, a copy of Come Thou Fount. And the lady saw the, the music and she asked him like, oh, what is this? What is this song? And he told her, oh, it's this beautiful song. And it kind of, ex the, in the book, it explains where it came from and everything like that. And she asked, will you sing it for me? And he said, okay, I'll sing it for you. So he began to sing. And the lady just looked in awe, and he's like, wow, I've never gotten this kind of reaction before. And so he left, and she got some books from him, and he had thought that he had just had this amazing experience. So the next, I believe it was the next day or something like that, we leave a receipt with the people, and so it has the phone number of the conference and everything. And the conference head, they got a call. And it was the lady who the man had, or who had um, sang to. And she said, this young boy came over to my house yesterday and he, he sang for me, this young boy and this woman. And I had never heard anyone sing as beautiful as they had sung. The boy was the one who was talking and the woman was just nodding in agreement, but I had never heard anyone sing like that before. And the leader asked the, the guy later, he said, was your leader with you? Who was with you? And he said, no, I was alone. I don't know what she's talking about. So... They believe and I believe that this was just an angel experience and I just thought, that story, I thought that was so cool. Um, and another thing, talking, going back to these, these glow tracks, these things are so powerful. I never really thought when I was, not making fun of Angelica, but I thought Angelica was weird for reading them. But something that um, they do on Halloween is called glow in the dark and instead of going out and handing out candy, they hand out glow tracks to the kids. And there was a girl, she was actually um, in my group, and I got to meet her. She, she had, go, she, on Halloween last year, she was going through her, her brother's candy, trying to find her favorites and steal it from him, and she found a glow track. And that one, um, it's called Twilight, and it kind of talks about, like, the fad with all this vampire stuff and how it's, yeah, but it just talks about that. And so I guess she was obsessed with Twilight, so she saw it and she started reading it. She's like, oh, this is really interesting. And on the back, it says that if you're interested in signing up for Bible studies, you, um, it gives you a website to go apply to. And so she read it, and she thought, wow, this is powerful. I want to sign up for these Bible studies. So she went, and she signed up for Bible studies online. And actually, her, um, a Bible worker came to come start giving her Bible studies, and he was actually my leader for this summer, the one who um, kind of directed us. And he came and he started giving her Bible studies. And after six months or so, I believe, she started going to church and he eventually got her um, to come canvassing with us. And I mean, that alone is just amazing, the fact that she went from just nothing and she had just had this, just from this one track, 
and that she was able to even go canvassing. And she um, eventually, at the end of our program, she was baptized in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Um, and finally, as I'm starting to wrap up, I just feel like this summer has taught me if one thing is just the power of prayer and also to reach out to those who are in need, those who are um, yearning for God. And us as Christians, we are supposed to be an example. I know that, I mean, me, uh, myself included, we all have hard days and bad days and we meet strangers and we might snap at them for cutting us off or things like that. But we never know when God can use us as an example. And um, another one of the verses that really stuck out to me this summer was Matthew 9, 37. And it says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. A lot of the times, and again, myself included, when I meet people and they, I don't want to say when they find out that I'm a Christian, but you ha kind of have an opportunity to kind of witness to them, you kind of, I kind of feel like I'm walking like this very thin line. You don't really know if they want to hear it or if they don't. Am I say, ruin your friendship or the meeting, but I think that it's always important. Even my mom, we were car shopping earlier this week, and the, we were talking about, um, with the, the dealer, a car that was safe, and she said, yeah, you know, I always just wanted to be safe, and he said, yeah, the car, the car dealer said, oh, well, yeah, this car that you're looking at is super safe, and she told him, well, I leave her in God's hands, and that's all that matters, and I remember I kind of, like, tapped her. I was like, mom, I don't want to make him feel weird. And I asked, I asked her later, why would, why did you say that? Like, what made you say that? And she said, it's always, she always wants to leave an opportunity to be able to witness to them. If they're interested, then they will ask. And if they don't, if they're not, it's not like you're pushing your religion on them. She just made a comment. And I completely agree. A lot of the times, like I said, we feel kind of weird about saying that we're Christians or kind of, I don't want to say preaching to others. But I, you learn this from just, just sometimes you meet these people and they, they are yearning for God. It's the opposite reaction of what you, you think. My final story, I was canvassing um, this one neighborhood and I had gotten rejection after rejection and rejection, rejection, rejection. And I was thinking, these people don't go to church, they don't want God, I don't know what I'm doing in this neighborhood, I need to leave. And I knocked on this one door and... Um, an older gentleman, uh, he was like probably early 40s, he, he answered, and I, I asked him if he went to a church around the area, and he told me that he had just started going to church, and that like a month ago, and he had felt so convicted by God just to like keep going to church, he got his family to go to church, he just wanted to talk to me for forever. He was interested in knowing about the Holy Spirit, how does that work, how does he get his kids to go to church, he wants his kids to be out doing something like I'm doing, he wants them to have that experience with God that he had had. And just to see his hunger and his eagerness to learn and to know more and more and more, it's just, it shows just how much God can influence people and while we, can be rejected over and over. We have to keep being persistent and just making little comments about like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian and Jesus loves you, things like that. And the man, he actually ended up, it was a poor neighborhood, but he actually ended up getting all of my books that I sold, every single one. And we call that a dump bag. And so we're all excited, you know, we got all our books. But it's also, it was just amazing. I remember waiting for my leader to come, to come bring me more books. And I was just standing there like beaming and people probably like driving by, I thought it was so weird because I'm just standing there like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And 
God just truly does have perfect timing with that. And going back to God's perfect timing, as Angelica had tried to get me to go in the summer over and over and over again, I think that she softened my heart at that time, but I don't think that I was meant to go and God didn't want me to go until this time when I felt that spiritual numbness, when I had felt like pretty much like giving up because then it taught me to rely completely on him. While I think I would have had an amazing experience before, I think that this is what truly, like, it rocked my world and changed me completely. And um, I just want to have, like, a call to action. If you guys ever have a chance to be able to witness to people, and just by your example, maybe just a smile or anything like that, I think that's what's most important. And um, Romans 10, 13 and 14 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And I just think that's so true. Like, if we are not willing to put ourselves out there, how are the lost or the people who don't, do not know God going to be able to learn about him? And I don't know about you guys, but I am ready for Jesus to come back. I'm ready to go home. And... I just hope that we can all be a little more willing and put ourselves out there a little bit more just to be able to spread the word of God. And even if you don't want to preach, because I never thought I would be up here doing anything like this. <laughs> but um, St. Francis has um, a quote, and I think it's really cool. And they kept saying this this summer, and it was very touching to me. It's preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. You can always preach the gospel just by your, your actions and just by being a kind person and a Christian. And something that someone said over the summer, it's from a quote somewhere, I'm not really sure, but, and it really, really touched me. I've been telling like all my friends. Um, something that really, really touched me, they said, when we get to heaven, everyone that is there is going to have brought someone else by their example. And I think that is so cool. I want to be in heaven and have someone say, it was you, it's because of you that I am here. And I know that it's because of a lot of my friends and my leaders and things like that. And the people that I met out on the streets that I hopefully will be in heaven again as well.